All right, live we are. Welcome back to the Nolcast. Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott. I am uh, working from high, uh, hotel Wi-Fi here, so I'll go ahead and throw a a uh, general apology out, so to say, or at least a acknowledgement that some of the production may not be exactly as uh, you listeners hopefully come to expect from us. But as always, Bud and I are back again. This will be a game preview. Southern Miss. Bud is a uh, but it's as fluent as anybody out there when it comes to this conference. So uh, I don't know that we necessarily need a guest tonight. Look forward to talking a little Southern Miss. We'll look back at the LSU game ever so briefly, just for any larger takeaways from it. And um, yeah, man, let's jump into it. And uh, as always, we will thank our sponsors. I see my man Chad in the comments and the legendary team of Chad Shannon we're with us in Orlando, have been with us for five years now, and have been with you, the listener, as they've done more than 500 loans. So 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN, uh, as always, a shout-out to those guys. No doubt about it, man. Okay, let's uh, let's get this, this read in within the first five minutes. The chat is asking for some prize picks. While everybody else gets in here, we will do our prize picks read, of course. If you want to play some prize picks, promo code NOLCAST gets you that 100% deposit match bonus up to $100. Promo code NOLCAST on prize picks. Now we have hit 225 to ones uh, this year. People are buzzing about it on Twitter. I will let you all know um, that is not the normal expectation. I do not generally hit 25 to ones on the regular. That's why they're called 25 to ones. Uh, the six pack flex, of course, uh, is what I'm referring to. But we have hit a couple. Uh, I thought our Florida State stuff was really good over the weekend. I, I think I would play the Daniels stuff and the neighbor stuff again. I mean, the, the odds that Daniels doesn't throw one and a half uh, or, or more than one and a half touchdowns are fairly low, but they did end up rushing uh, the ball because FSU stopped them down there by the goal line. I have a couple plays uh, for this week. So I'm going to go ahead and launch these out here. There are no Florida State lines up as of now. Uh, when you are a 31-point favorite over Southern Miss, you won't get your stuff posted probably until more like Friday or Saturday. But we will post an official NOLCAST uh, FSU-involved card for now. So let's just go ahead and give you guys, if you want some, you know, something to whet your appetite, if you're looking to play maybe an early game card or something like that. Uh, Graham, you got your pencil ready? You're going to write these down? Uh, yeah, I got it. Got right, it down. Right, I, I can screenshot you what what, what I. Uh, I'll what uh, I I'll here. save you a text at seven thirty on Saturday morning. Be like, hey, and it's just look. <laughs> what, what what are we taking? What am I doing? <laughs> no, no doubt about it. Okay, so uh, here's a couple things. Marshawn Lloyd over fifty five and a half rushing yards. That's for uh, USC. They play Stanford. Stanford wants to play really, really fast. Judging by the Hawaii game, judging by that, that coach's uh, success when he was at Sacramento State, yes, I, I did have to go through and figure out what the adjusted pace number should be for Sacramento State. Luckily, I just asked my buddy Bill Connolly. I was like, hey, do you have pace numbers on FCS? He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, can you get the raw data on that? And I plugged it in my system, and there we go. Anyway, 55.5 feels a little bit too low, so I'm going to go with more uh, than that for Marshawn Lloyd. Also think that uh, Donovan Edwards for Michigan, over eight, nine and a half, rushing and receiving yards combined. They play UNLV. UNLV wants to push that tempo. I don't know if that's a great idea when you're playing Michigan to give Michigan a lot of extra drives if your name is UNLV, but uh, they, they seem to like to do it. So we'll we'll take advantage of that if possible. Uh, Connor Wegman, Texas A&M quarterback, over 238 passing yards. I think Miami's got a pretty good front, and I think that their back end is not quite as good. Let's go ahead and pair that with more passing yards for Evan Stewart, 69 and a half. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, those are, are uh, related, obviously. And, guys, pro tip on the prize picks. Mm. Playing things that are related is a good move. Playing things that are directly, like, anti-related is not a good move, right? Like, generally, I'm not going to bet – I'm not going to count on all of these receivers all having more than their things because there's only a kind of a finite amount of yards available in the ballgame, typically. Uh, Robert Lewis, the kid for Georgia State, the offense usually targets one dude. 
The one dude last year was named Jamari Thrash. We took his or his more in week one for Louisville, and that cashed us pretty nicely. But he's in that role now uh, for Georgia State in that offense. Michael Pratt, if you guys watched the entire uh, South Alabama and Tulane ball game, you saw him limping around something fierce. So uh, I don't know that he's really going to have more than 32 and a half rushing yards. Thus, I'm going to go under or uh, uh, less on that. And finally, Sam Hartman has thrown six career interceptions against NC State. He goes in there this weekend. I'm going to go with a little bit less than 240 passing yards for Hartman. I know that's that's maybe not the you know, not the most popular choice there, but I think a little bit less, a little more run game uh, for for Notre Dame, maybe a little bit less pace. So those are some stuff. We'll put out the official Nolcast card coming up, and of course we will be uh, you know, using the Florida State game in there pretty heavily. But if you guys want to assemble some of your own this weekend, those are are some things that have stuck out to me so far as they continue to add stuff fsu talk do it man absolutely all right man okay so here's what y'all need to know about southern miss probably about five to ten minutes worth of this they went to a bowl game last year against rice uh, i i i think their coach will hall uh former tulane guys done a great job rebuilding this this you know, pr- proud program they were pretty down in the dumps it's a pretty under-resourced program it's a sunbelt school if y'all don't know that florida state once played them uh, they had a guy named Brett Favre, and he had a pretty good day <laughs> against the Knowles about mm, like 33 years ago. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So um, I think it'll go differently this time. They are pretty excited about this quarterback, Billy Wiles. Uh, I've read a lot of their message boards, listened to the coaches' comments, watched a little of their first game. He had a pretty nice ball game for him against the FCS opponent uh, who they played. He's a Clemson kid, so he does have a little, little bit of pedigree to him and, and a guy that is capable of making some throws, for sure. So uh, not like one of the worst quarterbacks you'll face this year, I don't I don't think. Uh, at running back, they got a guy whose name I think most of y'all will remember, Frank Gore Jr. His dad, uh, I was in school when his dad was playing. I did not really love facing his dad uh, when he was at Miami, but obviously his dad. Huge career. Frank Ward Jr. was a major, major part of their comeback last year. He actually uh, he played quarterback for quite some time because they didn't really have a, a quarterback for many games. And uh, he, he basically they ran Wildcat like several games. But uh, Frank Ward Jr., almost 1,400 yards uh, rushing last year, added on another couple hundred receiving. He, he is essentially like their number one guy you have to stop. Uh, if FSU wants to get some nice reps uh, of stopping the run, Look, this is a good guy to chase. Let, let's let's make sure those pursuit angles stay fresh on the short week, and I'm I'm sure that they will absolutely be trying to do so. Uh, now at receiver, they they do have one guy. Last year they had two. So last year they had this guy named Jason Brownlee. He was pretty good for them. He's gone, I think, in the NFL. Uh, but now uh, Jacarius Caston has stepped up to be, at least as far as I can tell, a target share, and just based on what they did last year, kind of their top guy. So Kasten is going to be the dude to watch for them. Uh, I'm interested to see just how much like Renato Green and Ventrell and those dudes, right, uh, get to play. And look at that. Greg was at the FSU Sutter and missed loss uh, with Favre at quarterback. Yeah, some of these dudes just like relative to the, to the competition. I was watching some like Dan Marino clips today. Just amazing. Um, the, the, the arm strength those guys had. So yeah, they they kind of have one dude. I really don't think they have a ton else that you totally have to scare. But Southern Miss does get athletes. Like they're not a max school. Like they mm-hmm. some of these guys can actually run. Like do they know where they're going all the time? Not always, right? But like sometimes they do. And, and so they're not like a guy. They're not unathletic. Now the O line has been a problem for a couple of years. I don't think it's that much better. I'll also point out that this kid, Cole Cavallo, who is a pretty good tight end by Sunbelt standards, is going to miss the ballgame. Uh, so, again, this may be more Southern Miss talk than y'all want, but I know a lot of a lot of our listeners are kind of diehard sickos, right? And they, uh, they like this kind of stuff. D-line's legit. Like, literally legit. This Now, last year they were crazy aggressive. Austin Armstrong, the D.C. there, is now the D.C. at Florida. The, the guy who looks like 
he's younger than we are. He, he may, yeah. he might actually be. I don't know how, how old he is. He, he's Mountain, certainly... sponsored by Mountain Dew and Adderall. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that opening press conference is just amazing. Uh, oh, he, he he knows a lot of terminology. Yes, I, I would say he was born in 1993. So he is absolutely like not only does he look younger than we we do. Yeah. Um, Skincare routine must be really good on this guy. Like look, looking, looking young, man. All right. Look, the the D line is legitimately one of the better D lines you're going to see in the Sun Belt. They have, I mean, across the board, they're like 305, 260, 310, 302, 305, 295, like 280. So they're not a, like a a school that's going to run out of a bunch of really tiny guys out there that you just push around. Typically, they they do have some size. I don't think that they're going to need to be quite as aggressive this year honestly. Uh, and that's a need, but it's also just kind of a common sense thing. They lost this dude named Dalen Gill, who I thought was an absolute freak by Sunbelt standards last year. And I watched a lot of Sunbelt because I, I really, uh, I was pretty invested in Troy winning the Sunbelt last year. Um, and so I, I watched quite, quite a few Sunbelt games. And uh, this kid, Dalen Gill for them last year had a pressure rate of almost 20%, which is like, other world, we, we talked about verse being like like the low teens, I think. And I mean, if you're twenty percent, you're just way too good for that league. Uh, played every snap for them, six hundred seventy-one, twelve tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. He's gone. So is uh, Central Latham, an, another kid for them who was who was pretty good. They also lose uh, five of their top six defensive backs. I don't think that Southern Miss can afford to be as aggressive this year. Because, or at least not in this game. Because if you are, th those new DBs are, are basically going to be asked to be to hold up in blitz coverage. Now, you might say, hey, I'd rather just give them less time and see if they can do it. But, um, yeah, I think this defense does take a drop-off this year uh, against the top teams. It might be able to get away with doing what it wants to do against sort of like the bottom-half team, the Sun Belt. But FSU is clearly not a bottom-half Sun Belt team. They're, I mean, they would be favored by a ton over all the Sunbelt teams. So yeah, athletic team, a team that does have a reputation in the conference for playing really hard and physical. Like they're not just going to come out and, 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 and not care. Look at that revenge. Yes. Let's get that revenge for that 89, 89 game. I think in 89, I was getting a, uh, a teenage ninja, teenage mutant ninja turtles blimp because mm. I had my tonsils out, you know? And I remember like, I was a cool, a cool toy. My, my mom and dad got me. That was, as a reward for uh, for getting the surgery, um, I was still a year away from fandom. I th I'm, the first game I remember watching is 1990. My mom was dating this uh, Gator guy who I used to go around and punch in the private regions for whatever reason you do when you're six or seven years old. And, uh, just you know, felt it. Uh, but I remember watching that game, and I remember being like, okay, yeah, so this is the good team, and. Bad teams blew, and then uh, next year you went up to Ann Arbor and watched that game, and I was I was hooked moving forward. But 89 is quite the uh, – interesting that we have as many attendees of that game as, as we do. By the way, um, if you want some hilarious stories about kids and uh, the Knowles, mine. Um, well, first, yesterday we had some major drama at the house because my 22-month-old, uh, he was – tickling my four-year-old too much and the four-year-old decided that the appropriate response would be were we on the phone at this time i was on the phone with somebody and i had to go uh, to punch him in the neck like just squared his ass up i was like okay this is damn it all right this is gonna be like like a cry so like hey 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 like too much tickling is not really like throat punching like like let's the 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 appropriate reciprocal response uh so yeah that was uh adventures of parenthood but i did show um liam today my, my four-year-old he wanted to ask uh he's like hey can i watch videos on your phone and i was like have you seen the cinematic recap that florida state does and of course we we've been having this whole thing he's been rooting for mommy's team yeah purple and gold she went to lsu and yeah. uh um you know he's like yeah let's see if lsu wins this time i was like oh oh no <laughs> This is not going to be good. So we had a little crying, uh, not too much, because he, he's like, "Does mommy know they lost again?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, she knows." She's, she was, Ed. yeah. He's like, too familiar." He's like, "Number four is very." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, he is. He's very good. 
He's like, he eats his protein. He's like, right. Because it's, it's, yep. it's been a whole thing. No, he's like, I want to eat waffles uh, and not protein in the morning. We're like, you can have both, but like, you know, we're not going to eat like a sugar bomb every single day before before school. Anyway, uh, yeah. So he uh, he does think that Keon Coleman eats uh, eats protein, and yeah. I would agree. I think so. Nice. Like, yeah. It would appear that Keon has got a good protein source somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, sorry, I, I, that's back to the. Uh, but yeah, we did a little crying, and then um, he thinks that LSU needs to eat more protein. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I don't really want to talk about the, the Southern Miss special teams because, to be honest, guys, I didn't scout it. I, I feel like this is about as deep a dive as you want me to do on on a like on an FCS team. We'd probably just go like pure listener mailbag. Let's talk about what we want to see from Florida State in this game. Like, is there anything that they didn't do well that we want to see cleaned up? Are there any guys that you want to see rotated in and play more? Clearly, Miami's going to be counting how many snaps FSU plays with, with mm. the true freshman. So, uh, true freshman. I do think that's a theme. Uh, absolutely. Uh, maybe we'll have to do our own freshman snap count draft uh, just to keep like a running tab. Let, let's propose something here. So, if, if all the Miami websites have a tracker, Coincidentally, of course, right? That they're just tracking how many true freshmen played. Uh, should we invent one that tracks like games played by true or I don't know, like games play like, like where true freshmen played more than 10 snaps against like power five opponents with a winning record? Or like wh what the chat shouldn't give it a better name than that because that's not a really great name on, on the fly. But mm -hmm. what I'm looking for is a metric that shows like, Okay, if you're a true freshman, are you actually getting to play against decent opponents? Yeah. Um, all I can think are acronyms that spell profanities directed at Miami <laughs> right now. So that's not. That's, I was like, freshman under count. Uh, yeah, no, I, I shouldn't hmm. spell that out. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, that was. Uh... Yeah. Snaps snaps prior to garbage time. Okay. I I like that. Snaps per games played. Because we, we really want to capture like are you are you getting to play against the good teams? Right? Are you getting quality reps? I don't know. Does getting in against Miami, Ohio matter that much? I don't know. Like Florida State played its guys against LSU. That 75 yard touchdown was I think two freshman safeties and a freshman corner, right? So yeah. Anyway. Okay, so obviously we saw Mo Smith bending over constantly on the sideline, and like we know, we mentioned this in the instant. Like that guy gutted it out; he really did. You're a 31 point favorite in this ballgame. Is it the worst idea in the world to run some different centers out there to see who can work and get them like live reps in a ballgame, whether that's Darius or, or or whether that's Casey? I I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing stuff out here. Like I'm trying to think of like, guys who clear like. No inside information here. Like from clear, like played the. We saw it on the sidelines. The whole world saw it. Dude's limping around, gutting it out. You know, like that's. I don't know. Most maybe most tough as hell, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you look at Mo. You, you for me, it's you start on the interior of either side. Mo and Fabian. Do Do you need Fabian for more than? Do you need him at all? No. Would you play him for more than maybe two series? I don't know. I'd be interested in that. Um, you know, that's just a guy that you'll need him. You'll need him a full go uh, in two weeks, regardless of what happened last Monday night. Um, and, you know, it'd be interesting to see how you kind of load manage in the meantime. And I imagine you'll want to, you know, trend up in the Boston College game there. So, you know, Mo, Fabian, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with Jared Burst, but I imagine that you're going to try to keep the, you know, the snaps limited on him as, as much as possible. Um, you do want to, you know, you don't just want to run Bethune, Deloach, and Lundy into the ground per se, and you need to start to develop. You know, I expect you'd have one of those guys back next year, um, but there's a chance you could you could not have any of them. You know, you need right. to start to develop next year's linebacker core. So that's interesting. And then the place where most of these freshmen are going to see snaps, I think, uh, we're in agreement here as a secondary. I mean, look, 
dude, they 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 hit with this secondary class. Uh, all of them are really really impressive. Um, Edwin Joseph, that's a super bright future. As does Conrad Hussey, um, and KJ Kirkland is a one of the most impressive young man I've seen and pretty damn good football player too. So like his long-term uh, possibility. So um, yeah, I, th- I think the secondary is probably where you'll see it first, maybe the interior of both lines of scrimmage or where um, you would be, you know, particularly careful with how much exposure you give these guys. Oh, I should note uh, to the extent you trust PFF college grades, which I, I'm pretty skeptical of, like I, th- I think their NFL product is really good. And, and I, I'm not going to say that their college product is poor, but I do not trust it quite as much as I do the NFL because I, I, I just trust the quality of person they have doing it more there. The interior of the Southern Miss offensive line graded pretty poorly against an FCS team. So it, obviously, like if Fabian's healthy, he should play to get to get reps to, to stay in that sort of game shape. But uh, if you have to play some reserves there in, this, in, in, in the interior, that's not necessarily – the worst thing you'll probably have some decent success i'm excited to see byron turner in this game i mean we mentioned the kickoff coverage dude he was running down there and kickoff coverage doing an excellent job like just one of the first guys down there hustling blowing guys up whether whether or not he made the tackle like he's blowing blockers up so you know pretty excited to see what, what he can do there uh offensively with it, a completely new secondary for, for the golden eagles i, I do think that you can definitely run by them with, with, with some play action stuff. And I would try to hit a shot or two to Destin Hill because he didn't get what he got one ball, I think, in the uh in the LSU game. He got one target, if I recall. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see if he can get a chance to to really go on one of those deep balls. That'd be no, cool. I, I think I could see like I don't think Destin Hill is gonna be on a point where he's a prize like appearing on a prize fix card, but I could see Dustin Hill getting 100 yards receiving in this game. Yeah. You're you're going to want to work him, uh, I think. And yeah, yeah, it could, could be a big day for Dustin. No doubt about it. Uh, but I, I, given that the run game was was not in sync, I would expect a large dose of the run game mm-hmm. in, in this one because it is a it's a good team to wrap it against. I mean, if you could go out there and easy button this thing. And let Jordan throw thirty passes in three quarters. It's an entirely rebuilt secondary for, for Southern Miss. But what did you learn? What what did you cut these guys a check for? Whatever one point five or one point seven or whatever it is for, because they do have a pretty big defensive line front. If I'm Mike Norvell and I'm Alex Atkins, I'm like, hey, you know what? We're gonna get some good work in here. Like this is a front with some okay size to it, and they got some safeties that are actually like. Kind of thick. Well, let, let's let's see how well we block this run game against a very aggressive football team. It's going to give us a variety of looks on defense. I, I so I would expect a lot of run game. Benson, Hill, uh, maybe get a couple more guys in there as, as well, and then obviously some more rotation at receiver. The Keon and Johnny had what like nineteen or twenty targets between them. So yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to get 20 targets combined in this game and and really don't need to have it. Yeah. I, I would consider almost taking the under on, on uh Keon just because the stat is going to be inflated and I just don't know how much he's going to play. Um, not that we're just going to do price picks the whole podcast, but in general, there's, there's a massive overreaction on week one. So like I would, like I would look at Travis Hunter's numbers, and if they're too inflated, I would I would consider going under there. Um, well, especially because if Nebraska hangs around in this game, Nebraska will pl- be playing with like like a tempo modifi- modifier of like a point eight, so like twenty percent below mm-hmm. national average of, of tempo. Like Nebraska will use every second, every single time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Totally agree. The the overreaction there could be could be big. I. You think Akeem gets a catch? Yes, I think Akeem gets multiple catches. Uh, I could see that. Like, if you're already working that guy in in the LSU game, I know the game was somewhat out of hand there, but Akeem is uh, – like the last time I was at practice, Hakeem had put together a series of practices that were impressive enough that Norvell kind of threw his arm around him and said, like, that's what it, that's what it needs to look like 
a great job over the last two or three days or whatever. And by all accounts, he's uh, it just takes time, man. And and that's why one reason why it's such a good thing to get these kids in as early enrollees, because I don't know that he scales up in the manner that he does right now if he's right. not here uh, in January. So uh, it's just an adjustment period, regardless of how you know, physically talented you are or whatever else. And Hakeem appears to start to be making that adjustment. I think he could be heavily featured uh, once you start to, you know, pull off uh, Kentron, Keon, and uh, and Johnny. I also want to see some more of the backup offensive linemen. Uh, I don't I don't mean like your top seven, but like I I, I mean, do, do you think any of the young guys get get a get a couple of reps there maybe in that final quarter? Like that's good for them to rep against a defensive front like this. Like this is a by Sun Belt standards, like a quality defensive front that's not going to let you just completely push them around now. I don't know if this team's crazy fast in the back end. So if you clear the if you clear the front line, you may just be off to the races. And I, I would expect some uh, some explosive runs to pop. But you can, you can wrap a lot of your run stuff with with a variety of guys, making sure everybody has their comfort level. I I talked to a head coach the other day. Uh, I'm not gonna say who it is, obviously. And I was like, I, you know, like you guys got real problems or week one stuff. And he's like, I loved it. I was like, what? Because they, they didn't play very well. He's like, dude, we played eleven offensive linemen played nine receivers all these guys who tell me that they that they should be have a starting spot i got them in there early got to coach them hard i like that they played poorly because now i get to tell them hey here's why you're not starting here's what, here's what i told you you have to do to get back in there you know and uh and and, and so man I, I bet you norvell and those guys are, are are loving the the physicality of this southern miss defense because they're gonna get to coach this offense hard for another week you know yeah as opposed to just easy button you know Keon which I'm sure they'll get one or two. Speaking of easy buttons, there is no greater, easier button uh, when you go to Tallahassee other than just don't overthink it. Hit up Matso, hit up Township. Uh, I love Charlie Park. Going to go hit up the brunch uh, for the first time this year on Sunday um, and would encourage you guys to do so as well. Madison Social, more or less a Tallahassee institution at this point, but uh, about 400 yards to my right. And uh, in the shadows of Doak Campbell Stadium, as we were fond of saying for all these many years that we've received the support from Matt and his team. So, uh, as always, going to point out Charlie Park as uh, Tallahassee's best rooftop bar. But you are not, uh, you know, you're not short on options when it comes to the uh, great properties of the For the Table restaurant group. Absolutely, man. Uh, Okay, so. Other guys that I'm excited to see if they can get in. I, I want to see Cryer, the Northwestern kid, if he can get in. Mm. Uh, I, I want to see if Nicholson can get some reps. Uh, obviously, you, you already mentioned uh, Lundy and Graham. If they can get some reps. All the young DBs, obviously, are, are certainly dudes that I know we are really excited to see. And, and uh, All right. Over, under, on the number of snaps in this game played by true freshman. 75. Over. Ooh, snap call. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, you might be able to get there by the third quarter, in my opinion. That would be that'd be huge, man. Get get those guys the reps and, and, and get that load management in. Uh, I think we have a little bit of time. Let's we're gonna do some mailback stuff, and I do want to discuss. A couple things that we noticed with some of Florida State's opponents. So I guess I'll just kind of go down the schedule here real quick. Let's do Austin. a two-minute. Uh, I'd love for you to give us 120 seconds on Texas A&M-Miami as well. Uh, just sure. Just an interesting game that is a unique uh, Venn diagram of interest for the Florida State fan base. Uh, I like that. And it's early enough that most of us will be able to see it because game don't kick till 8.30. So. 8, 8.30. Uh, we, we may really like this clock rule. By the way, uh, in this 8:30 game, I I have a feeling. Okay, so uh, Boston College, they don't really have a quarterback. I think they're probably better in long lines of scrimmage than they were. But remember Thomas Castellanos, mm-hmm. the running back. Florida State and, and Georgia wanted him. He wanted to play quarterback, so he went to UCF. Didn't totally work out, although I, mean, I think he would have been the backup this year if he stayed. Now he's at Boston College. He took over in the second half, almost led them to a comeback win over Northern Illinois, but guys, they lost to Northern, Northern Illinois at home, and that's just not going to work, uh, obviously. So really don't think that game's a major threat. Uh, 
this year. I mean, you, you smoked them last year. I don't think FSU was one of the games they thought they could win if they improved enough. But uh, Castellano, Castellanos appears to have won that job, just by my eye, at least. Clemson. Oh, oh. well, I guess we do have some things to talk about with Clemson, don't we? They got problems. I mean, yeah. Um, feels like this has been coming for a couple of years. And that, that can be just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whenever a team loses, you can talk about that. But, you know, there certainly have been signs that there are maybe some cracks out there at the same time. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me, bad radio. Um, I saw where you said that your prediction is that Dabo changes his mind on the transfer portal. I, I think I mentioned or has this. his mind changed for him. Yeah, I think they've already done that. I think they did okay. that before uh, last Monday night. Uh, I, there, there was there's one position in particular that I've heard a couple different, you know, ideas about guys that might have Clemson in mind, which whatever. So I do think that there's a evolution there. Uh, I think at this point there's going to have to be, uh, as you just referenced. Um, I could see Clemson losing four games this year, man. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're we're prone to make absurd uh, takes, and whenever you have got a one game sample set, you're going to make too much of the one game. It's just how it happens. But. Uh, I, it sure looks different. And, uh, you know, you're only going to hit the generational quarterback lottery so many times. You know, you like you had two guys in a row, three guys that were really solid, but two guys in a row that are as good of college quarterbacks as you're going to get. That just yeah. does not happen. And, you know, maybe that gives you some false confidence as to what you're doing with your program otherwise. And you think you have the ability to, you know, get your pieces, keep your pieces and turn them into an elite football program. And it certainly looks like there's been a evolution in college football that, that Dabo has not quite been on board with. You don't think that uh, getting like top five quarterbacks in the history of hundred year old leagues is a consistent plan. You can just, just hit on every year. You can't just, you can't just <laughs> go to uh, Cartersville and uh, uh, Gainesville, Georgia every, you know, twice a decade and pull out, two of the better guys to play the game. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, man. I'll, I'll be watching culture stuff with Clemson as much as anything. Uh, I know that's kind of a soft factor type stuff that we don't talk about all that often on here, but just some interesting things going on there. I, I'm curious as to how his, I'm not going to call it like a, a, a shit because it's not like it's it is who he is. I don't think it's fake. You can like it or not, but I, I do think he's genuine in what he said. Like I don't think I don't think he's. It's like I don't think he fakes it. Maybe, maybe you do. I I but I think he kind of believes it and, and, and breathes it. I'm curious as to how his methods play as the sport evolves. That's I guess what I'll what I'll say about that in terms of relating to players. Um, mm-hmm. Who else do we have here on the schedule who we really who we actually learned something about in week one? Okay, Vatek. I don't think they have the athletes on the defensive line to get enough stops against you. The passing game looks a little bit better because they have receivers, but again, they still have Wells as the quarterback. I, I really don't think that they're a threat as long as you play your C game. If you play like your F game or something like that, then it's an ACC team. Name the Hokies. Like they, they clearly, if you show up, you, you don't lose that one. Uh, Syracuse looked pretty damn good, a little better than I thought they would actually. So you might be lucky that's in Doke because that's a pain in the ass to play up there if they actually, if they're actually looking good. Mm-hmm. Not let, lucky's the wrong word, but like in terms of the, the ones you'd want as far as home away breaks, you know, uh, Duke looked pretty good. But you basically run the same system as Duke. They're pretty damn close on both sides of the ball, more so on defense. And uh, and you have much better athletes, and the games games in Tallahassee. But they do they do look good. Like you won't be favored by by you know twenty eight over Duke. At Wake, 
I'm going to reserve my judgment here, but they did not look very good against Elon. So it's hard to repeat what they do every year, man. Mm-hmm. They've had some they've had some injuries. I think the Donovan Green kid going down for them is a pretty big deal. Losing multiple like top defensive linemen to the NFL or to the to the portal. I could see this being the year they drop off a little bit. Pitt, I I had a hard time figuring out how good that FCS team was, honestly. Like, I I don't really have much to say. Dracovic at least looks healthy. I I did watch a couple quarters of that. Uh, Miami is an interesting one. I kind of think A&M is a bad matchup for them. Right? Like, Miami, I think their front seven is much improved. The the Maui Noah kid they got, who's the – the transfer from Washington State, the the you know, the brother of, of the, the tackle they got, I think he's a big help at linebacker. They have good safeties. Cam uh, catches and James Williams, who, to his credit, like looks like a linebacker, but still hasn't been moved to linebacker. So he's doing something right. If you, if he's still able to stay at safety, at least part time in year three, longer than I thought he would be. Corners uh, don't really impress me, to be honest. I think they're okay, but not not uh, like upper tier corners and that could be a problem against AM. Yeah. AM has, I would say, a no doubt top 10 receiving core in the country. They're very deep. Uh the Noah Thomas kid they have looks really freaky. I think he kind of got dinged last game, so we'll see. Evan Stewart is freaky. Freaky, freaky. Like yeah. yeah. Um Patri- I will say, I know a lot of people have asked, like, do you think Jimbo finally gave up the play calling? I do. Mm-hmm. This now they're running some of Jimbo's concepts, but the way they dress it up is 100% Bobby Petrino. Uh, you know how every time we played Petrino, it was like, okay, why is there like no safety on the TV screen <laughs> as, as they run the post right over the middle? Mm-hmm. They're doing that, they're doing that thing. So mm-hmm. it looks like Petrino. Now the tempo is still slower, like they're not going no huddle. I would say offensively for Miami, there's more of a plan. The offensive line is definitely improved. The Mark Fletcher kid is good, but anybody who watched the state championship games knew that. Like he's legitimately a good back and uh will be somebody who kind of be a pain in the ass to play for the next three years because he's a really good player. But we knew that. And you have good backs too. I don't think they have difference makers at receiver. I think they're better than they were just because they're they're all back, right? And and you assume they progress in the system, but it's not like they went out to the portal and were able to find anybody there. It's like Restrepo and George and Young, and, and those guys are are fine. Uh, like they're not they're not like an upper third ACC rece- receiving core, I don't think. Although, shoot, with, with Clemson not doing much, maybe they are. Uh, I don't. I don't know about Van Dyke. I'm not sure I'm sold yet, to be honest. I think the arm's there, the accuracy when he knows where to go with the ball is there, but I don't know if the knowing where to go with the ball part is there, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. We'll see. He got his patent, though. That's a big that's a big step. His what? His patent. He, he patented uh, Tyler Van Dimes or whatever. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the important stuff. Um, yeah. No, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to see that. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, Jimbo, for some of the dysfunction that's there, that's still a absurdly talented roster. And uh, be just be – and Nick, tomorrow, when this airs tomorrow, Saturday, I know last week was great to have it back. Um, trademark, not patent. Sorry. No, you can't patent a name. I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you, Blue Chicken. <laughs> um No, I mean, this Saturday to me is kind of the first real, like, incredible matchup. Two interesting games in almost every time slot. uh, It's back. And uh, it's going to be a hell of a a ride here. And uh, this Saturday feels like kind of the first one. Hope you all got your farmer's markets and your kids' birthday parties and all that kind of stuff out out of the way. Because this is 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 definitely a park you're behind Saturday on the couch with with multiple bangers, really, in each time slot. Kenny Dillingham, our, our old friend who's now the head coach at Arizona State, gets to face Mike Gundy, who is the head coach that Matt Rule said he most hated to face in, uh, in, when he coached Baylor in the Big 12 because he always thought Gundy uh, had his guys really ready to go and did stuff that you weren't prepared for. 
So uh, welcome to Division One coaching, Kitty Dillingham. Here's your first FBS game. It happens to be against Mike Gundy. Hmm. Uh, so that is tough, but they're only three-point underdogs. We'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe they can – certainly rooting for the Sun Devils there to, to pull out the win. Uh, North Alabama, I have no update on at all. I did see some tweets about him, but I didn't even save him. I, I meant to bookmark, but I didn't. Florida, I said this on cover three. Graham Mertz was one of the better players they had in that game. And that's a problem. I'm not sure this kid they took from Michigan is really any good. The safety. And that could be a problem. Uh, they got some young promising guys on the roster. And we'll see. But they got to get the communication fixed on the offensive line. They they could be a team that is like much better on the road than or at home than on the road, because like their communication issues on offense were were crazy. They had like four or five false starts on fourth and one. Mm. They had two special teams penalties that negated a change of possession, like including one that was they, they had double number on punt. Yes. Like, and they have like a, a special teams logistics and structure on staff, which you know is like, kind of the the they have like a director of numerology. I'm space. sure. What, what do you say you do here if that's your position and you've got that going on? Uh, throughout eight, I think twice. Um, I don't mean the number eight. I mean eight people on the field. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Oh, I mean, actually, yeah, I actually, I have the screenshot of this. I, I, um, yeah, as you've said before, it, it is one thing to hire a Saban like army of collared shirts, it is a whole other thing to know how to deploy them and to have the results that you want. Again, early, we're not going to make too much of, of one game, but there are some, uh, you know, for me, uh, if I was a Florida fan, I would be concerned that I'm seeing some very giant red flags. So, yeah. Um, all right. So let's see if you can see this. I'm pretty sure. Can I get this? Hold on. Let me see if I can, if I can show this. All right. I think, I think I can show this. Can you count this? Uh, I'm just trying to make sure I got it exactly right here. Okay. Can you see that? Uh, yes, yes, I can. Okay, so that is the uh, that's the angle. Florida has eight players on field goal block. You're right. Like literally, it, it's. I went and watched the end zone angle, it, and he. Uh, oh, here is here is the end zone angle actually. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, it's um. You know, it's stuff that if, like, a parent was leaving a middle school game, he'd be like, damn, the coaching staff just doesn't have it together. We had eight out on the field. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Eight players. <laughs> they all they all had the same number. Like they all had the same number. Dang. Yes. You want to do some mailbag? Yeah, we've got a couple of really interesting questions nice. uh, before we do. If uh, if you can continue to play tug of war with Maggie over your your children's allegiances, I will be going to home field and sending numerous Florida State themed items down there to uh, Orlando homefieldapparel.com. Uh, legitimately, some of my favorite uh, clothing out there. I mentioned this, I know all the time, but I gave my mom a sweatshirt for Christmas a couple years ago. I've given my wife numerous items. Uh, I just love the clothing. They do have a new line of Florida State stuff out there uh, that was released, I believe, last Tuesday. So do, do go give it a look if you haven't seen uh, prior. But uh, great friends there at home field. Coupon code is NOLCAST23 uh, for a discount. I believe it's a 15% discount at time of checkout. Again, NOLCAST23. And a big thank you to our friends at home field. All right. Uh, mailbag. What do we got here? couple from the other uh, Patreon, I believe. Yeah, we've got uh, three different questions. I'm going to ask if you'll read them tonight, only because I don't have the uh, 
the multi monitor. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Thing going no on right now. All right. So Kevin asks. Uh, okay, here we go. Question that I'd be interested in hearing your take on. Well, you've come to the right place, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> if we, I've not screened these. So uh, did you screen these, or were we just reading blind? Uh, I looked at them roughly. There's one comment. You have a Ron here. Burgundy moment here. Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, if we have the year that I think we should all expect after that LSU game, and this offense continues to be an absolute problem, what are the chances we keep Alex Atkins next season? Uh, is there anything we can do but keep him? I want to focus on what's ahead uh, of us now and enjoy uh, what we have going. But if the answer is no, we probably won't be able to keep him. Where can we look in order to keep this thing together? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, so I would say that Alex Atkins could have left last year if he wanted to. And that I think he is pretty well paid. If you finish with like a top three offense in the country, I'm relatively certain that for, and you, you sign another very nice offensive line class and get credit for fixing the offensive line problem, which he does deserve. I think there's a, a pretty good chance that his competition continues to go up. Like, a lot of people are probably pretty happy to uh, to celebrate Alex Atkins with, with, with the paycheck. Um, as far as like jobs, you need to find the right fit. A lot of guys don't want to leave upper power five to take a G5 job now, you know? Mm -hmm. And there are some guys who have done so and, and they've worked really well. Like look at Summerall at Troy. Look at Kane Womack at South like South Alabama, those guys are, are going to get jobs, I think, and they've done a really nice job with their program. But there are certainly other examples of guys who left and just couldn't, you know, couldn't get it together. I don't know what jobs in, in the ACC are going to open that you would want. Now that Atkins has had a taste of like big time recruiting and uh, what it's like to coach like the most elite of players. Yeah. Some guys don't want to dip down. Like, and, and I certainly like one that initially I, I in my head connected with was Northwestern mm -hmm. because Alex is from Chicago, right? Pretty sure. Isn't he from Chicago originally? Uh, I believe he's from the, from around, around that way. Yes. I mean, look, so Northwestern, if you get it, it's obviously extremely hard to say no to because you're probably going to make like, I don't know, six or seven million and set your family up. Like like your, your your kids' kids' kids are, are are kind of set up if you manage that right, but it's also Northwestern where you can't get transfers and you can't do this and you can't do that, so you really can't compete and win. It's it's kind of a paycheck job. Indiana could open. That's kind of the same thing, man. Yeah, Illinois. Oh you know, like, yeah, you've got a loose grouping of those Big Ten schools that are challenging. Um, you get rich and you get fired. Yeah, basically. So, I don't know. Like, could Boston I College think he could open? Do work in Illinois. I, I would. I yeah. would think that might be a place that he could really uh, do well. We'll see. I think Atkins is here for a little bit longer than maybe people would think. Yeah. Just because what we're saying, and people know that it's Mike's offense, but like, man, the turnaround that he's done at offensive line is incredible. It's going to open a ton of doors for him. Um, and the more that he's here, I think the kind of what we're saying, the, the higher and higher level of head coaching job that ultimately he can project to, um, I think Alex, you know, assuming things go well, will continue to be, continue to get raises. Uh, he's a desirable commodity and, and has worked his rear end off and, um, is, you know, one of the, the recruiting dynamos uh, on the staff. That's, that's another thing that is going to be a challenge is, you know, it's a whole different game to recruit when you're the head coach uh, as opposed to a position coach or now offense yeah. coordinator. So uh, people are going to have to, uh, I'm by no means diminishing the man, the, the, the coaching job he's done at offensive line speaks for itself. You're not, by, no one's going to look at Alex Atkins purely as a recruiter. That's not what I'm saying at all. But that is an absolute strength of this. And, um, you know, that will weigh into the factor as to when he's ultimately offered a head coaching job. Totally. Uh, the chat said, what about SMU if they opened? that Like straight up, if I'm an assistant, that's the job I'm looking at. SMU just stroked a check for $200 million just to like like survive in, in the ACC. And if you read Dellinger's story uh, of, of Yahoo, yeah. basically, like did you read it? It was 
I yeah. think I know the quote you're referencing. I haven't read all of it, but the uh, yeah. we need your help. And the first guy who opened his mouth said, you got 250 million from me or whatever. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I about wrecked my car when a friend of mine yeah. told me that story this morning. Uh, Do so. you think SMU might have some quality NIL participation as somebody who is involved in the space? I could see them uh, evolving into a formidable uh, player in the space. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a top half program in the ACC within five years of my prediction. Yeah. I'm pretty confident in that. So, like, yeah, I, who knows? I, I just hope for Alex, like, as a person and a, as a professional, that he picks a spot that I mean, eventually he's going to go somewhere, right? Like, he's not going to be here for, for 20 more years, most likely, although Mickey Andrews did, certainly. That he goes to a place he can win and that, you know, that, that is is a, a, a place that if you if you do a good job, you can actually win. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of really good jobs out there, and I, I don't. I don't really know. Um, okay, question for the mailbag. What kind of odds are there, uh, or are there any, that Daryl Jackson is cleared to play for the postseason? Follow-up. If there's a shot at it, how wild would it be to see FSU and LSU rematch in the playoffs featuring featuring Mason and Daryl Jackson? Hypothetically, how would that affect your feelings on who wins the rematch? Well, hypothetically, I would not be betting uh, – quite as heavily on the over if that were to happen because those are both those guys are game rep. Like we would not be predicting 38, 34. I think if, if Mason Smith and Daryl Jackson were in the game, I'll throw the first part of the question to you. Like, is there really a chance he can play in the postseason? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm hesitant to speak on this because people think that I like know more than I do. Uh, there was a, there was a comment made originally that that could be in play, but I, that needs to come from an official channel, not, the null cast. Uh, sure. So, I mean, that, that will, there will be clarity will be provided on that. Um, if you read the letter from the, that the NCA released, it sure makes it sound like you're not going to be seeing Alex, uh, Alex Atkins. You're not going to be seeing Daryl Jackson until next year, uh, meaning like next season. 24. So um, I will, uh, until, you know, somebody that's wearing a Florida State polo in an official capacity says that I would operate under the assumption that he won't be playing this year at all. They, they seem pretty uh, pretty hellbent on this one, on, on this issue. If you saw they, the dug in. Says, they dug in in a manner that I very honestly, very surprising to me because um, a lot of different things going on, most notably, um, you know, they need some political assistance on NIL reform. And I, uh, I'm a, a little surprised at the way that this thing played out based off that. Exactly. All right. Um, here we go. Gents, question for the pod is from Matthew Leach, good friend of ours. Uh, at least three of this year's transfers seem to be guys that people are not just excited about, but really excited about, like not just good players, but potential freaks. I'm talking about Jaheim Bell, Keon Coleman, Daryl Jackson. Uh, and they all seem to be guys who aren't just refined players, but guys with incredible physical traits. Yet none of them was a really highly re regarded recruit. Coleman was a low four-star, 377 in the 24-7 sports composite. Bell was a a, a, a high three-star in the composite, number 396. Jackson wasn't even a high three-star in the composite, number 706. It's surprising to me that those guys with the kind of physical traits didn't rank higher. So what was it that they either developed or they missed about them in recruiting? I understand guys can get better, but these guys seem different because, as I said, it seems generally that recruiting rankings tend to reward guys who are so physically impressive. Thanks much. Hope you're both well. Yeah, no, that's Matthew a great Leach question. Is, Matthew Leach is awesome, dude. Super bright, um, and always enjoy hearing from you. Uh, so thank you, Matt. Real quickly, before we get to his answer, I do just want to thank another Matthew, Matt Lewis at Congruity. We saw yes, Matt sir. and his lovely family at the tailgate. Congruityhr.com have had a steady stream of inquiries uh, based off getting to get in touch with Matt and see what's possible and how to better optimize your business. And uh, if you believe that uh, he may be able to do that for you, would encourage you to reach out either directly at congruityhr.com or feel free to uh, contact me on some form of social media. Absolutely, guys. That is awesome. All right. So I want to, uh, I want to take these separately. Because I, actually, a couple of these were are, are guys I've had discussions with uh, individually. I I don't think Bell's ranking is bad at all, right? He was 
was he a tight end? Was he a receiver? He's not super tall. He's a really useful college player if he catches the ball consistently. But that was certainly an issue at times in high school, right? And I'm not going to – like a lot of you guys, there are a decent number of dudes who look like Jaheim Bell. I saw him in high school. Like I thought he was a pretty good player. But the top 400 player in the country, there's a lot of guys who look like him. I think it's a lot. And look, look, you're you're the expert here. In my opinion, uh, when it comes to recruiting rankings, this is literally your job. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the position he plays. And it's real tough to be a super elite tight end recruit if you're not 6'6 or something. You know, like you've got to have the ability to project to the next level at a clear, like, first round type uh, thing at tight end. So, um, that is interesting on Bell. Kind of know this, the, the answer on Jackson. I am really interested on what you have to do with Coleman or your answer with Coleman, but I think it has to do a little bit with basketball. And didn't when he an early commit to uh, was it to Kansas or where where did he commit early to? Yeah, there was a lot going on with his recruitment, right? Okay. And, and and I don't mean that in a negative way, but it was just like there were a lot of moving pieces there. Right. Mm -hmm. One of which, like you said, was his basketball involvement. Like there were people who thought he was a better basketball prospect. I mean, he was six foot four. Now, I will say Gabe Brooks of 24 7 Sports fought hard to keep this kid a four star in case he decided football was the main thing. And I I am proud that 24 7 Sports was the highest grade on Keon Coleman, I'm pretty sure. So from that perspective, we weren't really an outlier. And I, I use we loosely here because I didn't work for 24-7 sports. Uh, no, yes, I did. Yeah, no, it, it, it just started. Excuse me. Like, uh, If you got a guy who's extremely raw but clearly has a lot of upside and has a lot of stuff going on, and you have people who think he maybe like – He's looking at schools who are going to let him try to play both ways. Mm-hmm. Kansas, Michigan State, that that kind of thing. It's hard to like, use a super high spot on that unless you really think football is his main thing. Now, obviously, great for Keon that he chose football because there's not a lot of six-foot-four guys in, in, in the NBA. Um, but there are a lot of dudes who have similar – Physical skill sets in high school who don't make it. I'm that's kind of how it is, honestly. Now, Keon, certainly a higher upside skill set than Bell had. But Bell was 6'3, 213 in high school. Mm-hmm. And what's he now? Like 245? Two, like he and do we I mean, is is Bell, I don't know if we have a real measurement on him, but is, is he a true 6'3? You know, like, like he's I guess we'll see what the NFL Combine says, uh, assuming that he is. But like I, I don't think that four stars on a kid, and this is something we probably need to do a better job of as an industry. If you're a top 400 player in the country, that's pretty damn good. Like I guarantee you, we have a lot of trouble sorting out. Like, who do we have to put outside of the top two four seven? Who do we have to put outside top three hundred, top four hundred? Mm-hmm. Like. It's it's pretty fierce competition, and, and separating those guys often comes down to some of the non-physical factors you hear about too, right? Off-field stuff, focus, like, is this going to be your primary sport? We've had kids before, I'll tell you, like, hey, this kid's a pretty cool tight end prospect. He's also, like, a major NHL prospect. Mm-hmm. Where do you put him, right? Is he ever actually going to step foot on a football field? Like Kyler Murray was a huge baseball prospect, but also, I mean, obviously, so a lot goes into it. Daryl Jackson, like, I think is actually a great example of a guy that, in hindsight, probably should have taken more of a shot on, potentially. But he was also crazy raw, crazy raw. Farmer was not super developed. And, I mean, at the camp side by side, dude, Farmer was – worlds more advanced than he was like Daryl Jackson mm-hmm. did not know how to play kind of I, I, I remember it was the Orlando camp that we went to <sighs> shoot I think it 
it might have been Lake Howell. I, it, a lot of these run together. Um, he like he was just crazy, crazy raw. Trust me, if a guy that had that kind of wingspan had any idea how to play, he would not end up at Maryland at first, right? Like, like, and it's just there's a lot of projection involved in this, but clearly his upside is is and was huge. Hindsight, we can say that now. Should we have known at the time? Potentially, yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, it's tough. Uh, interesting to hear your your thoughts on that. Like I said, you're as uniquely qualified as anybody out there to talk on on the rankings process and how that works historically. Um, I love digging in these kind of stories. Like, like I always like um, you know the dude who uh, shoot who was it this year. I, I think it was Wake or, or uh, the old Dominion kid who went to Georgia Tech, uh, who, who got drafted like second round. Oh wow, Chiefs just dropped a wide open pass. I yeah, I know the guy that looks like a Alabama defensive end is what you're talking about. He was in he was in the choir. Yeah, he no. didn't play really like much high school football at all because he was and he didn't go to any camps because he was doing choir stuff mm. like qu qu travel choir competitions. And then that's awesome. He walked on. He walked on at Richmond. Like, you know what? I'm gonna mark it down as a miss. But I also don't know if we should refine our process. Right. To, yeah. Good luck. Uh, you, tell me how you adjust that filter. To you remember Bryant Bryant McKinney? Yeah. Like for the for the chatter doesn't know because we're because we're old heads now. I guess uh, Bryant McKinney was like a six foot six six seven left tackle for University of Miami played like a million years with, with, with the Vikings, pretty good player. And uh, he played like one year, I think of high school football. Cause he was a, a, like a saxophone player in the band. Okay. Like imagine having like a borderline hall of fame type guy in the band instead of on the high school field, like it had to drive the high school coach nut. But there are a lot of fun stories like this almost every year. Cause there's just so many people in the world. Guys are going to slip through the cracks. It, it's, it's kind of fun. Hmm. That is, uh, yeah, remember him all too well. That was one of the most dominant offensive tackles I, I've ever witnessed at the college level. So. Did he make the Hall of Fame? Did he what? Did he it's make the, he Hall, the Hall of Fame? He, uh, he, I mean, he played, he played twelve years. It's pretty good. It does not appear as though he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. He's okay. in the College Hall of Fame and. Whatever Miami calls theirs, I guess he wasn't like crazy good in the end. He made a couple of Pro Bowls. Um, all right, we're we're way off the rails here. Apologize, guys. <laughs> he did win the Super Bowl and play twelve years, which is like extremely hard to do. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, is Morlock more or less the same as Bell? How was he missed? I actually looked into this a little bit, and I don't know where my notes went to this, but. When I looked at him when he was in the in the portal, I think he was just like really, really skinny and raw and went to like a crazy small high school. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, he's from a very rural uh Tennessee, if I recall correctly. I, I believe that to be true. Um I'll look up that I'll, I'll look up more for that on the next show. What do we have here? College football recruiting anthropologist. Yeah, I actually do kind of find that stuff pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Shorter had that NIL game in good shape. Yes, uh, and they, undoubtedly. Yes, there are certain uh, certain schools that will kind of take a kid and hide them uh, for mm -hmm. certain periods. You know, <laughs> with the NIL. Oh man! All right. Uh, let's see. Do we have? I, I haven't been reading the chat. It, is there like some kind of debate about Mike Norvell leaving for the Alabama job? Uh, People asked if Mike would be a candidate for the Alabama job. Uh, yeah, if Florida State continues on this trajectory for another year or two. If uh, if your coach is seriously considered as a candidate for the Alabama job to replace mm -hmm. the best coach in college football history, you know what that is? That's an awesome thing for you because that means your coach is doing one hell of a job. Yeah. 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 I mean – Look, if Florida State wins, Mike's going to be a candidate for jobs. Uh, you just got to welcome that, embrace it, and uh, 
be confident that you've done everything you can uh, behind the scenes and otherwise to, to keep him in Tallahassee. Yeah, exactly right. Cool, man. Uh, we are, I, I'm not sure we were doing an hour tonight on, on the Southern yeah. preview, but this was fun. 65 minutes. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So again, apologize if uh, audio or video was not uh, ideal at times working off hotel Wi-Fi and working off um, laptop microphone. So apologies there. Otherwise, thoroughly enjoyed it. As always, we'll have uh, an instant reaction podcast. Look, if this game doesn't end until 1215 or something, it may be early the next morning. Um, I can go like live with coffee. Yeah. A little little pre-church reaction. Yeah, a little little 730 review. We'll get you out something. Just may not be that night. We'll see. Yeah. See y'all.